what's good people it's your boy Cal representing rockthedub.com and I don't know how to start this off let me just say you are listening to Deep Concentration it's a podcast situation that I'm you know trying to get into I don't know man I, I like having conversations if you followed my website, rockthedub.com, for the last 12 years. Interviews has always been a big thing, whether it's, uh, you know, Wendy and Lisa, who used to work with Prince, or it's, you know, UK drum and bass DJ Bailey. I like having these conversations with people, um, you know, at Complex, whether it's, you know, Complex Proper or Pigeons and Planes or Do Androids Dance. Interviews have always been a thing. I've always liked talking to people, you know, getting to know people and what they do. But there are people that I want to bring forth to the world. And for whatever reason, in my uh, my work situation, it's just not possible. It's just not something that can work for where I work. No disrespect to them. Love Complex. Shouts out to Complex Media. Um, so I needed a space for myself. Um, and decided to cop some audio equipment, you know, got a couple of mics, got a mixer, got a digital recorder, and I want you to guys to take a journey with me. Um, there's no real structure or any of these, you know, it's kind of just a situation where, excuse me, we, uh, turn on the mics and just start talking, and as we go through, it's what we do. Um, before we get into this first episode with Will Caso, shouts out to Caso and uh, his whole team, um, I wanted to shout out the homie Deal the Villain, um, he's the one that produced the instrumental that you're hearing as our intro music, um, shouts out to him, the, uh, it's funny, the actual, the, the first release on the fledgling RTD digital imprint was his debut EP, Epic. Um, you can find that on iTunes. Got some fire on there. And uh, yeah, shouts in for letting me use that instrumental for this situation that's going on here. Jeez, um, you can pick up everything on this microphone. Um, yeah, so like I said, the first edition of Deep Concentration is a conversation with uh, Trenton legend Will Caso. Caso uh, is a guy I've known over the years through not only the hip hop scene within the city of Trenton, New Jersey, but the art scene, which has been growing. And, you know, I don't want to toot his horn too much, but the growth of the Trenton art scene, you can see that progress with Caso's own uh, progression and notoriety in the city and beyond. Um, I got a chance to sit with him on the Friday before the opening reception for his latest exhibit, Urban Legend, which is a look at his work from the last six or so years. It's uh, currently up at Artworks in Trent, New Jersey. That'll be running until the end of August. Um, these cats are opening my door. Man, these cats is wilding out. Um, one second. Little buggers. Uh, 
so yeah, we 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 rap a little bit about we we'll rap a lot. You know, it's a pretty Caso. You get him talking, he'll just keep talking, um, which is dope though because he he actually opens up not just about how he got his start at Artworks Trent and learning about different forms of art and how he could you know actually get his hands dirty and express himself in a way he couldn't with other things. But, uh, you know, we get into a lot about the, the classic garden variety shows that he helped put on in Trenton, uh, the beginnings of the Sage Coalition, which brought forth things like the Gandhi Garden, um, which got a lot of press, um, as well as the Mike Brown mural that he did um, after that tragic killing a couple of years back. Uh, so yeah, and you know, and really, you know, the the rise and fall of the Sage Coalition, which you know, again, it did a lot to, you know, help build the Trenton Arts community. But you know, if you know Caso personally, you know, you know, my man's got stories. My man's been, he's got history here, even though he is uh, he's since moved to Vermont. He recently got married. He actually got married the night of the opening reception for uh, for Urban Legends. So shouts out to him. Uh, but yeah, you know, he, he, he unloads a lot of information. If you ever want to know about his history um, and the history of the Sage Coalition, as well as the growth of the hip-hop, you know, show scene in Trenton, this is the podcast you want to listen to. Um, I'm going to shut the hell up because and let Caso talk because Caso will go in. Shouts out to him again. Um, yeah, and I hope you enjoy Deep concentration. Let's get it. It's interesting. I mean, we was just talking about, uh, you know, you doing a garden variety. And I yeah. was looking back. I'm trying to think, how long have I known Casso? And yeah. I, I feel like it's been six years. I think I want to say the first email I got from you was a flyer for, for, a, garden uh, for variety, a garden variety yeah. show. It was yeah. probably the first one I actually went to. Um, and I only remember because it was... That same weekend that Gil Scott Heron died, and I remember that. Yeah, loved it. Love and Link did the whole Gil Scott Heron tribute. That's the funny. The funny thing about that one, we originally supposed to host it at at two nineteen because that's when we did the first solo the message. This was the spring of twenty eleven, and when they found out that I wanted to do a hip hop show at two nineteen, they said, "Nah, you got to bring off duty cop security, get a temporary liquor license." They put all these restrictions on me. And I was like, what? Like, for a hip-hop show? Because the way I met Self, the way I found out about Gar Variety was through Jermaine MC. Remember mm-hmm, him? Mm-hmm. Um, he told me about it because his wife at the time was working for the TDA. Word. With Eva Louisa. Mm-hmm. She was a promotional manager then. So he told me, he was like, yo, you should check out this venue, you know, this hip-hop show called Gar Variety happening up in Newark. Mm-hmm. And this was, this was a year before. Word. This is 2010. Mm-hmm. I was still on MySpace. Right? <laughs> so I reached out to Self on MySpace. I'm like, yo, I want to get involved with this. I just want to come up and paint live. Word. You know, he Word. was like, well, I can't pay you. I was like, well, I'm not worried about that. Mm-hmm. This type of music I listen to when I paint. But we could never make it happen. Because I remember they were doing them on Thursday nights. And I couldn't get up to Newark on a Thursday exactly. night. It was, it was just yeah. awkward, you know. Mm-hmm. So fast forward a year, you know, I had rented out 219 for that month. It was only 50 bucks for the month. That's mm-hmm. why I, I targeted 219. Mm-hmm. 
And I invited him down for Soul of the Message. And he came down and uh, he was like, yo, this place is dope. Can I do a show here? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, like I got the space for a month. Like, let's do it. And then when TDA found out, they was like, nah. That's not happening. Nah. So I pulled my lease. Mm-hmm. I was like, fuck it. I'll go somewhere else. And Self was like, he was like, yo, like it's not that big a deal. I was like, nah, it's a big deal because... He told me I could do whatever I wanted as long as it's under my name for that month. Mm-hmm. So I just felt, you know, you know, I remember, um, you know, me and Eva had, we ain't really have words. It was just a disagreement. I love Eva. Eva's the truth. Word. But uh, I don't think she was very clear about what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. my name was still kind of dirty with the TDA at the time because they had originally banned me from using that space. Word, word. Um, this happened years prior before Eva got involved. Mm-hmm. So she was just trying to, you know, do her job, but at the same time protect the interests of her employers. Yeah, yeah. So, but I looked at it as like, you know, I don't go against my word. Mm-hmm. So, but any, anyway, long story short, we moved it to the Gallimo. Gallimo. The Gallimo, the building with no roof, right? <laughs> so... I remember bringing Divine Drummer himself out, mm-hmm. and Divine fell in love with it. He was like, yo, this place is like Beat Street. Yeah. So we ran power from the ice cream truck that Word. sat next door. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first show, we had about 15, 20 people. I remember most of my most of the people who came were my family members. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It was it was it, the family members, and it was anybody, anybody on the who, bill. Yeah, anybody on the bill. Collar, I think it was Collar, mm-hmm. uh, Venomous. Yes. And uh, Souls Islands, a few other cats. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a quiet show. Mm-hmm. The following month is when it, since blew we, up. it blew up. I remember we had like 60, 70 people in there. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I think because I mean, it was one of those spots. It was because you figure it was what a Saturday yeah. early early evening. Yeah. People could drink. Yeah. Was, smoke on or whatever. You know yeah, what I mean? Do whatever it, you want. It was, but but as long as you were chill, and it was always it was never no mm-hmm. drama, no nonsense. Just yeah. people trying to get on for the culture. Yeah, it was beautiful, man. But I learned quick, you know. So you know, we were right behind Perry Street. You mm-hmm. know, one of the most mm-hmm. dangerous blocks in this city. Right. And. When I seen the crowds building, I was like, okay, you know, we ain't, we basically trespassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's building ain't nothing legit about it. Mm. We siphoning power from an ice cream truck yeah. generator. Lucky nobody's getting hurt. Yeah, so <laughs> I remember uh, the first thing I made clear, I was like, we got to put a white dude at the door. And they was like, why we got to put a white boy at the door? So I was like, because the white guy at the door, the cops ain't going to come in. Word, so word. I got my homie Enos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Freedy Rider I hung out with, you uh-huh. know, back then. Still cool to this day with E. And I asked him what he do it. You know, we ain't had no money. So I would pay E. I gave him $20 off the door mm-hmm. and, a, and a pack of Newports. There and, you go. And he did it. And nobody got in without paying. <laughs> and the cops wouldn't. They see him at the door. They just kept moving. Word, so, and, word, You know, word. we did shows out of there for four months straight that summer. Then we did one at TerraCycle, which was crazy. That mm-hmm. was called Welcome to the Terra Dome. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, oh, God, it was about 100 people in there. <laughs> at the middle of the night, I convinced the CEO to let me use the spot because mm-hmm. he collects my work. So mm-hmm. he's like, oh, God, so anything for you. Man, we made, you know what? We made no money that night. Self came to me with $15, right? And it was like, it's 100 people in. How we make 15 bucks? Word. Everybody snuck in. Everybody snuck in. <laughs> yeah, well, because it was like, it was, I remember it was, well, if you go to the TerraCycle, there's always those outdoor yeah. doors with the, the, the bay doors, the bay doors with mm-hmm. and people paint on them. Yeah, I didn't realize the stage was going to be right there. Yeah, and it was hot, so yeah. those go up. Yeah, 
10 people slide in. That's it. It's a wrap. <laughs> originally, we were going to do it outside, but the noise ordinance, they would have shut us down. Word. And, word. Uh, you know, hip-hop show over there, like, we would have just, it would have just, we would have been sitting ducks for the police. Mm-hmm. So, the original idea was to have everybody go through the fence, pay in the back, and come through. Mm-hmm. But it was so hot, it was like a it was like an oven back there. So yeah. I was like, yo, we got to pop the gate. I'm like, dog, if we pop the gate, people just going to slide under. Right in. And that's exactly what happened. We had a great time. That was a dope night. Yeah, it was awesome. But, um, you know, it most of those shows didn't really make any money. Nah, I mean, nah. we made a... I mean, because I, I was very transparent about it because it was my first time getting into show promotion. Mm-hmm. Because I went from this guy who just wanted to paint live. Now I'm promoting these shows, doing the flyers, but actually getting people to come. You right, know? right, right, right. So... You know, Divine, I mean, you know, just to keep it 100, Divine took home a lion's share. He was the mm-hmm. main DJ. Yeah, yeah. I don't believe any of the acts were being paid. I may be mistaken because I don't know what Self did with his share. I know I've seen him give artists money mm-hmm. for travel and whatnot. Of course. And I made myself available to pick him up from the train station. They needed to ride anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, just be very hospitable because I know nobody was really being paid. Right. And the money that I took home for promotion, which could be anywhere from $30 to $100. I just used that money and bought alcohol for the next show. Word, so all word. the MCs and people could drink. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this, it's on me because I wasn't, I didn't see myself as really doing too much, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. to take home any money for something I was still learning. Mm-hmm. And I was doing the flyers. I remember when I reached out to self because when I found out that Garden Variety had been going on five years prior to it becoming a trend, mm-hmm. I was like, Cause self would come down and he would spend like a hundred dollars on microphones. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, dog, do you got any paperwork behind this? You know, <laughs> like, cause you spend a lot of bread. Word. He's like, nah, man, I do this for the culture. I was like, yeah, I get that, but you gotta get some money. You gotta too. get some money too. You know, he was like, well, I ain't trying to sell it out. I was like, look, man, ain't nobody trying to tell you put on a shiny suit Word. and sample disco records. <laughs> you know, you but, ain't puffy. You ain't puffy. But. You know, I'm I'm looking at it like I'm I'm a working artist. I'm you know I'm looking to make a career out of what I do. I'm quite sure these MCs are looking to do the same. Mm-hmm. If you can put some paperwork behind this, this can really go places. That was the nothing to this day top going variety at you all know, at oh. all. Like and it, and it hasn't been a show in about five six years, and people still talk about it. Mm-hmm. So and those flyers is what got me known throughout the state. Where you know? so I'm I'm I tip my hat to himself and what he built. But he wasn't doing it consistently in Newark. Because mm-hmm. I told him, I'm like, look, if I'm going to get involved in anything, it's going to be consistent. Right. Like, we're going to do it every month, whether we make $100 or $5 or a million. Like, mm-hmm. I want to do it every month on time. And so that's when we picked the last Saturday of every month. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. did them up till May of 2012. May 2012 was the last one I was involved with. Word. And that was that, that's when we had the Atelier. Yeah, the Atelier. Yeah. And those, those, I remember, what was the one night? Who came? Was it Capone that Capone rolled through? Capone from CNN, yeah. It was yeah. Capone, and it was uh, I think that same night or a night before or, or the month before. It was high pitch Eric from the Howard Stern show. Yeah, just ran. I was like, Random what people the fuck would show is up. going on? I remember when I walked in there because we had turned one of the rooms to a little rickety art gallery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I walk in there, Capone sitting there smoking a Newport. He's like, "What's up, man?" I'm like, "Oh shit, what, what is he?" <laughs> so me and Ray like, let's do a banner for him. Word. So we blight, remember we painted the banner, mm-hmm. but it wound up looking really like Bum B from you know. <laughs> From, uh, from UGK? From UGK. Uh, so they call it, they, they was fucking with me that night, man. It was like, yeah, it looked like uh, 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 Bum B Capone. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't even yeah. realize that. that. But yeah, it was. it's interesting to see how far it's just gone on. But I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, kind of parallel to your career because I know yeah. 
I remember seeing, or I've got a picture with my son Jaden. Uh-huh. He had to been about two, three years old, yeah. and I was at my mom's house. She lived on Wayne Avenue. Yeah, and it was my that, grandfather lived on Wayne Avenue. Oh, where, yeah. where, like like towards the end. Towards the end, yeah. Oh, where, where, yeah, where? he living um Phoenix now, so he oh, had to okay. get out of Trenton. He wasn't doing too well, okay. but he's great now. He's doing word. awesome. Yeah, where there yeah. was um. What they call it, the New Way store? Yeah, New at Way. At the corner, right, yeah. right at the corner of Martin Luther King and Wayne Avenue. Yeah. And I remember seeing, because y'all had the crazy whole, we shit had the whole that building. Whole building. Yeah. And yeah. it was, I'm, because that, and that was VS. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing the names. I got Jay, and he's pointing up. Yeah. And I, it's, I got to find a picture. It's probably one of your pieces that's up there. The, my piece was always in the center. This portrait of yeah, someone. Yeah, we was yeah because yeah. it was right at the front of the stores. I don't yeah. know what the hell I was taking them around that way. <laughs> yeah, we took a, a walk. For, we, we we took a walk for some reason. It was early in the day, so it wasn't yeah. like people was out. But I remember just looking at him and him pointing up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, take it back a little bit. You know, I mean, we're talking we're talking your history in Trenton. Yeah. Um, because you got the show, yeah, Urban Legend, Legend. Artworks. Yeah. Um, and I know. In the information that came out with it, mm-hmm. you really—it's good. It's dope to see this going back to artworks because you credit artworks as being like that spot when you were first getting in into art. Can mm-hmm. you talk about you know your beginnings with art and how that works with artworks, bringing you to where mm-hmm. you are? You know, at least mm-hmm. you know in the development stages. Well, my mother signed me up for art classes there when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, the way she tells it is that there was an ad in the paper. Offering free art classes to inner city trained youth, mm-hmm. and I believe it was between ages ten and twelve. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was always an artsy kid. I was always into it. My mother knew that. You know, that was the one thing that can keep me still. Right, right. So she signed me up for it, and I still remember. The, I still remember the first day I walked through those doors, seeing the white walls looked the same way it did back mm-hmm. then. And artworks had just came to Trenton. This was nineteen eighty eight. Right. And uh, my instructor, his name was Barry, who I found out few years ago that he passed away oh wow and uh you know prior to that i had never had any art instruction like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. anything academic anyway you know art class in school but yeah, nothing yeah. like nothing like there like i learned you know i was drawing still life drawing making puppets paper mache mm-hmm. learn how to make kites you know he took our instructor took us out and actually we actually painted you know stuff in the city yeah, yeah you know mill hill playground which at the time was all wooden playground equipment we painted the whole park up mm. we painted underneath the uh mill hill the bridge under you know i don't know how to get there now but underneath the bridge there's a path you can like paint actually on the wall yeah yeah, yeah. and uh we painted that you know so that was like my first time ever doing anything like that mm. and i was mm. like yeah this is pretty much what i want to do when Lynn Lemire came in, mm-hmm. in 2012, mm-hmm. right around the time, you know, we were at the Atelier. We weren't Sage Coalition at this point. Word, we were just word. artists at the Atelier. Mm-hmm. And I remember Pete Abrams told me, he was like, yeah, you know, Artworks got a new ED. And I remember Marge, the North Ward Council, I mean, she mm-hmm. was putting together the, uh, the art explosion. So that's where I met Jacques Howard, you know, okay. Lynn Lemire, like all the people involved in what eventually became the train art scene. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me and Lynn hit it off. Like, she was really supportive of the type of work I was doing, you know. And that's when I started getting back involved in artworks. Mm-hmm. And Lynn, Lynn was dope, you know. Lynn looked me out a lot as far as, you know, just understanding what I was trying to do. Not so much trying to get involved with artworks mm-hmm. as far as their mission or what they were doing, but just supporting people who were doing cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Art All Night was already in full swing. 
And, you know, I started getting more involved in that around mm-hmm. that time, you know, like painting live at those events. I was only, the only time I would really paint it live at Art All Night was with Leon when he would do the body painting thing. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really involved. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. like, all right, Leon doing this, I'll show up, paint for a little bit, then I'm going to go get drunk somewhere. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, when Lynn got there, I started really becoming more involved just because, you know, she was way more receptive to my type of work. I didn't mm-hmm. feel like I had, had to compromise at all. Right, Any right. people prior to her just didn't gel with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's kind of for a lot of people see it, especially with like Art All Day and things mm-hmm. like that, where. It is a hub. It's a place to yeah. kind of the whole community can be almost be put on display or at, at the yeah. very least shine a little light on what people are doing and then yeah. let them do their thing. Yeah, you know, and um, with, you know, after Lynn left, that's when I started getting cool with, uh, really getting closer with Jesse and Addison, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. they were like executive directorless. <laughs> Kind of, kind of just flapping in the wind for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but it was but it was an opportunity because that's when we did the candle carve off. You know mm-hmm. what I mean, Messiah, and that was a huge hit. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I remember because, that night. Yeah, because it was, that was hilarious, you know. <laughs> but uh, it worked. It was like they were willing to take a chance, and this was before Lauren got it. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I, the art all day had already been happening. We were involved in that. Right. But um, I had always still been very independent as far as like of what I represented. Mm-hmm. Like, people would ask me, do, do I work for artworks? I was like, I don't work for artworks. I work with artworks. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I always looked at that as anybody who got involved in me, it was more of a partnership. I was never directly employed by anyone mm-hmm. other. You know, I worked for myself. So, But um, I don't knock anybody, you know. I give credit where credit's due. You know, mm-hmm. artworks has been here longer than anyone, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So, And I'm, a, I'm supportive of artworks because... You know the opportunities it gives to kids that came up the way I did. Mm, you know, mm. and that's any organization. If if you're looking after people in the hood, I tip my hat to you. Right. But if you're exploiting them, then that's a whole other thing. I'm gonna call you out. Yeah, you yeah. know. And I have not had a reason to do that with artwork since Michael Gumpert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I will put his name out there because dude was a dickhead. So I never met him. So I mean, I'm, I can only take you ain't missing nothing. They, <laughs> They credit him, though. He's the one who initiated art all night. Okay. So mm-hmm. he gets credit for that. I was, I've always been like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I stand my ground. Like, mm-hmm. if you, I, you know, I'm very black and white. Either I'm your best friend or your worst enemy. There's no right. between. And he he took me there. So. <laughs> I mean, is, is that part of your personality? Or is, I mean, I know with the uh, with the graffiti world, it's a lot of, very confrontational. Especially. Yeah, graffiti's a sport, you know. Mm-hmm. So you could be the top dog in graffiti and somebody is coming after you. Mm-hmm. But that... To me, that's part of the appeal, you know, because as a kid, I wasn't really allowed to play contact sports. I used to have seizures. Mm-hmm. So graffiti was that outlet that gave me that adrenaline rush as playing football or baseball or basketball for anyone else. Word. Because you, you did a lot of running. <laughs> you did a lot of climbing, <laughs> you know. It's very physical. You know, your whole body moving when you're paying when you're in a mm-hmm. graffiti scene. And it's very competitive. And I'm a very competitive person. You know, I don't consider myself uh, arrogant. I'm just very confident. Mm-hmm. Because in graffiti, you're always painting with an audience. No mm-hmm. matter what. You always have audience. And people are going to be brutally honest with whatever you do. Mm-hmm. So it helps you develop a thick skin. Word. And yeah. I think that's very healthy for artists in general. Because most artists can be passive. Mm-hmm. And being passive in this world is not going to get you far. At all. And at all. So you have to learn how to learn how to take criticism. And also learn how to dish it, you know. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so people in graffiti talk a lot of crap, and I can talk with the best of them. Mm-hmm. 
and but also mentor you know i think that's the one thing that over the years that has been lagging in the graffiti scene like solid mentorship mm. back in the day you know even with the cats school me you couldn't get in graffiti back in the day i'm talking about like 70s 80s unless you knew someone who was actually doing it Word. not build a wall in a backyard or mm. go get a permission wall but actually doing it illegally mm. you had to apprentice of them that's how you got your props up so for me I take that very seriously. I don't brag about, like, yeah, I did a lot of legal stuff. I did what I had to do to keep my name active. Word. You know? Word. And, um, you know, and I brought a lot of people up. Mm. So, and I'm very proud of that. But my thing is, I think what happens is, once you get to a certain level of success, people start to naturally develop envy towards you or look at it like you owe them something. Mm. Mm. And it's like, look, I've, I've always been very transparent in the way I work. And it's like, I'll tell you quick, like, if, if I owe you something, show it to me in writing. Right, right. So, that's all. I don't, I don't, I don't worry about people who don't worry about me. Mm-hmm. So, and that's that. Well, I think that's, in, I mean, it's interesting that that's the case, especially in Trenton, because I mean, yeah. I grew up in the city, and I mean, yeah. you'll see graffiti around, but yeah. before, you know, you and Rain and everybody yeah. came through, it wasn't really a scene like that. How, nah. what? What do you think changed with what you guys were doing and actually creating mm-hmm. a graffiti scene within the city? Well, when I met Leon, I met Leon. Well, I, let me put it, take it way back. Mm-hmm. I started hearing about Leon like around 2003. Okay. Right? When I started airbrushing. Mm-hmm. And I airbrushed right across the street from Train High. Mm-hmm. So I used to hear kids come in like, you know, this guy named Leon Rainbow. And Leon was always kind of ahead of the curve where he always marketed himself very well. Oh, yeah. Even yeah. back then. Like, he was the first artist I ever knew that with a website. Word. Back when everybody just had MySpace pages. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, so I'm seeing this stuff. I'm like, Leon Rainbow. Like, who is this dude? So I remember I was home one day and it was this old public access TV show that called Trenton on the Rise. Okay. You know, it was really grainy. Like, the quality wasn't that great. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I remember the guy was interviewing Leon. I'm like, who the hell is this dude? Like, <laughs> you know, this show came on like one in the morning. Like, yeah, or, yeah. you know, it's a weird channel, you know. Mm. And I'm seeing this dude. So, I remember I went to his. So, no, I remember my shop that I was at eventually moved downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, right where the Orca house is now. Mm. Our shop was right next door to it. Where? And I'm walking down the street and I see this mural, spray cans, not guns. And I'll be honest, I didn't think it was that great. Yeah. You know, because again, I'm looking at it, you know, but I'm like, whoever did that knows something I don't. Mm -hmm. You know, I respect the hustle. Mm -hmm. I respect the fact that whoever this person is got that opportunity to do that. Word. And you know, Leon always left his name, his leonrainbow.com. So I emailed him. I hit him up. I was like, you know, I'm an artist in the city. I airbrush. I've been hearing a lot about you. I would just like to meet because I didn't know it was anybody else in the town doing that type of work. Word. And he got back at me the following day. We had a conversation. Then he eventually came down to my shop. We mm. linked up. And I showed him what I was doing with the airbrush. He was like, oh, I heard about you. The kids from Trent High talk a lot about you. I was like, whatever they my main clientele. Uh-huh. And he was like, you know, I paint out in Philly a lot. You should come out there with me. And I went out to Philly. That's how I met the man who eventually became my solid mentor, Pose too. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot from Pose. You know, Pose schooled me and Leon, mm-hmm. you know, because me and Leon, again, we were always very, very, like, friendly competition, you yeah. know. He had talked crap about what I'm doing. I talked crap about what he's doing. Mm-hmm. But we worked together, you know, uh, frequently, uh-huh. even in the early days. So um, the opportunity came to paint the Martin King wall in Brunswick Park. Mm-hmm. So me and my homie Moot, 
graffiti writer I used to paint with, crazy white dude. <laughs> so we went to Leon. He was like, yo, we want to do this wall. We know you got city connections. I don't know anybody, and I'm doing the hood doing shirts. You know, I don't. I, I was transitioning. Right. So we got permission to paint that wall, you know. And me and Leon had a little falling out after that because of the way the press went. It just made it sound like he did everything. Uh, and I, again, I didn't know Leon that well at the time. I knew him maybe for a few months. Mm. So I took it kind of personal. And, you know, at this time, he had procured TerraCycle the main wall mm. and that was the what eventually became the first jam the first jam I didn't even paint at because me and Leon didn't like yeah, we were cool. speaking we weren't cool mm. but we eventually pieced it up and we both realized that we could accomplish more if we worked together you know and so Leon you know he would start getting legal walls then I would see how he did it and I started getting legal walls mm. we start calling people out you know and we and also we travel a lot we go to New York and paint go to Philly and paint mm. you know Leon I would definitely give him credit he's one of the uh, people who really encouraged me to travel more. He Word. was like, I remember in 2009 when he went to Art Basel. Mm. And, you know, and by this time, both of our work was growing. You mm. know, we were starting to get recognition outside of trend. And he called me up. He was like, yo, Castle, man, you should definitely check out Miami, man. I think your work will go over well there. Uh -huh. And at that time, I was like, well, I'm go to Miami for it. Like, <laughs> everybody I know is here. I got my business here. I didn't really see the benefit in it. Uh -huh. When I went to Miami that following year in 2010, it changed my life, bro. No word. Like that one trip changed everything because I had never seen art produced and promoted at that level. Uh, I'm talking about I'm painting with people from all over the world. I'm mm -hmm. looking at paintings like a hundred thousand dollars with red dots, and I'm like, what? <laughs> you know? He's like, I told you, Casa. You know, how Leon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told you, Casa. Let's get this money, <laughs> right? So I came back, man. I was inspired like hell. Mm. And I was like, okay, I know what we got to do. We got to do our own shows. We got to, like, we can't wait for somebody to come to us. Mm. We got to really pull this together, you know. And Jersey Fresh had already was going into, like, his fourth, fifth year at that point. Mm. And um, so this is December 2010, right? Mm. We had already did the jam when I first met Collar, you know, Ahmad. Mm. I ran into Collar at the, the Quickie Mart buying Lucy's, right? <laughs> And uh, I hadn't seen Collar since that summer. Mm -hmm. And we stayed outside. We talked for like four or five hours. Right. And uh, about all the stuff we wanted to do and, you know, sharing ideas. So I'm getting in my car about to dip off. He was like, yo, Castle, man, we should do a show together. Mm -hmm. You know, I was like, yeah, but it's dead of winter. Christmas coming up. You know, yeah, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I remember when I went home and I was thinking about that conversation. I'm like, yeah, we should do a show. Mm -hmm. I called up Eva. And uh, I was like, yo, I want to rent out uh, Gallery 219 for a month. It was 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. And that what eventually became the first Soul of the Message. Word. And everybody yeah. thought it was going. I remember me and Kyler went down there to see the space, which was only two rooms at the time mm -hmm. in the gallery. And she was like, yeah, you guys can have it for the month. And, you know, just make sure you don't destroy the place and all that you know she gave us the the whole spiel you know mm. and so Kyler put together the music acts I put together the artists mm. and everybody said it wouldn't work right. you're gonna do an art show on a dope block do you know what this block is I was like yeah I know I rented studio space here yeah. years ago and I, it took us four months I remember it took us four months to get like a hundred RSVPs because people was like you crazy yeah I was like let's just see if it worked at the end of the day I lost fifty dollars if it don't work mm. We had a packed house. I remember the windows was fogged up. Yeah, like that's that spot. Because yeah. that spot, once you got a good amount of people, yeah, and it was hot. It, it was crazy. You know, <laughs> the ambiance. You know, we had installations, everything mm -hmm. up in there. And uh, Polo had, was mm -hmm. hosting at the time. He hosted the show. We got it. It's still online. We, I, I documented everything. <laughs> and I remember uh, the following 
the following week ever reached out to me and she was like well how many pieces did you sell I was like we sold about seven pieces of artwork we made probably about I don't know maybe maybe about seven eight hundred dollars in sales and um and she was like you sold like seven pieces of artwork I was like yeah including prints and all that mm-hmm. she told me that we sold more pieces of artwork that one night than the previous gallery gallery 125 which had closed a year prior mm-hmm. has sold in their entire six year run wow yeah and she's like how the hell did you do that uh-huh. I was like well I've been traveling I, I know what the current market is Trenton just has to catch up to what's already going mm-hmm. on. Because yeah. they was giving me hell about even painting the walls. I'm like, this is what's going on now. Like, you can't you can't expect to, you know, resurrect this town by doing what's already been done. And that didn't work. Exactly. You know? Especially when you can go to Philly and Philly but, is known for, known for that. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing, mm-hmm. you know? But, um, and this was all local cast, maybe with the exception at that time of Love and Delve. Because mm-hmm. Delve mm-hmm. lived in Philly at that time and love lived in Flemington mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. everybody else was local you mm-hmm. know Leon was body painting which was he was just starting to really get a name for that mm-hmm. so we put everybody into place you know I think that was the, the first piece I ever sold in the gallery was at that show mm-hmm. my own show for mm-hmm. the most money I ever sold a piece for Word. love moved a few pieces Lank moved a few pieces uh, Asia Washington was in that show. Asia got the most attention, mm. you know, out of that show because again, she was the only female involved yeah. in Sage at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, and her work was still is it's, it was dope, mm. you know. Nobody had never seen people that looked like us doing the type of work we was doing Word. in an area like that. I was say especially in, in the area, like yeah, that. you know, because we had quick we we. We changed the way art shows were being done here. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, the art show was only catered to people in Mill Hill yeah. and outside of Trenton. Mm-hmm. And it was just a stiff crowd. You know, no offense or nothing, no, but yeah, yeah. it was just an older, you know, it was, it just wasn't what Trenton yeah. really is as a whole. Mm-hmm. You know, art shows really captured, you know, the entire demographic of Trenton. It mm-hmm. was, everybody was there. Mm-hmm. Young, old, you know, rich, poor, straight, gay, you name it. They were there hanging out. Mm-hmm. And it was no pretension. You know, right. people had a good time at our shows. Yeah. W- would you say, was was that the birth of the Sage Coalition? Or was, was Sage already going on? Sage was already going on. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know. Sage as a brand mm-hmm. started back in 2005. Mm-hmm. That was me and my cousin Brandon. Okay. Um, I started Sage as a rebuttal to Mesquite Originals. You remember Mesquite Originals, the clothing line? The oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was I was suing them at the time. They stole artwork from me. I sued them and I won. Wow. You know? But at the time, I was in the middle of a lawsuit with them because mm-hmm. I did a picture of Biggie Smalls for them and they didn't pay me and I took them to court. Mm. So me and Brandon were uh, both involved in a lawsuit because they both took artwork from us. So mm-hmm. we joined together. I got a pro bono lawyer, but I was still, you know, making t-shirts. So... I, we both linked up a deal with this store on South Street called Image on South Street. Okay. So we was only two dudes from Trenton selling shirts in Philly and getting money. Mm-hmm. Like, we was doing well. Where? So I was like, we need a logo, man. Like, we just hand-painting these shirts. And I had I had found the name Sage in the thesaurus. Uh-huh. That's how I, it was the first word I came across, no lie. And I broke it down to acronym, Serious Artist Gaining Exposure. That was mm-hmm. the original meaning of Sage. Uh-huh. So... I designed the logo, which was, you know, the, the, um, the Aboriginal man. Mm-hmm. I found an old photograph in this encyclopedia. 
and it was a black and white photo, and I put a turban on them because I wanted I was I was looking just to design a personal logo because I was bombing back then. Yeah. So I wanted to make them like a terrorist. Yeah. Right. You know, sticker bombing. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but then I when I designed, I was like, Yo, I got something here. Mm-hmm. Like I knew I had something. Yeah. And I remember I scanned it in my old rickety computer, and I emailed it to my brother, who's a graph designer. Mm-hmm. I said, like, "Yo, can you clean this up and make it, you know, more symmetrical?" Because mm-hmm. it was a really cool drawing. And he sent this back to me. It was a few different variations, but this was the one that stuck. Uh-huh. And we started. Um, I, I didn't put that on any T-shirts at the time, but we, I would just write Sage Collection because uh-huh. we did a collection of clothing. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Brandon went off and did his own thing, and. Uh, so I just kept doing it under just for me. Word. But I was making jackets for rappers. That's when I started making. I made some jackets for uh, Method Man, Red mm-hmm. Man, Ghost, you know, Vast Air from Cannibal Ox. You wow. know, I was getting to all these cats through my connections in New Brunswick. Mainly my boy Che, who was a part of Born Reckless, mm-hmm. and uh, Che was actually the one who got me taking graffiti seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, because I used to teach him how to airbrush. So when I met Love. In 2007 at Jersey Fresh, which was called a Terracycle Jam back then, mm-hmm. Love was will always reach out to me on Flickr. He's like, "Yo, we should do a wall together." I was mm-hmm. like, "Well, look, I got a wall, but it ain't legit." Yeah. He's like, "I'm down to paint it," and then I took him to the wall. He's like, "Yo, you want to do this wall in broad daylight?" I was like, "Yeah," because I had already um, did the Gandhi one. This was a year later in 2008, uh-huh. July 2008 to be exact. We painted that wall on Olden Avenue, which has now been painted over, mm-hmm. and uh, that was the first Sage collective wall and that's when I flipped the acronym the styles advanced graffiti's evolution because now we're using it to uh, we're doing we're using graffiti methods but to do community murals mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. so we're advancing the art form in my opinion right. and uh, from there Delve who was original member of VS along with myself he, mm-hmm. me and Delve always clicked style wise so I brought Delve in Link, I met a year later through his now ex-wife, Jill. Mm-hmm. Me and Leon painted at his birthday party. Oh, okay. And then Link was like, I want to get down. So Link came up to me in New Brunswick, and I was like, yo, we got a wall coming up, get you down. Link showed up, he showed out, put him down. Mm-hmm. And Asia came, I met Asia through jams that we used to paint at in New Brunswick through a nonprofit I worked with at the time called Albus Cavis. Okay. So she got down. So we would just go out doing these walls, predominantly just me and love. You know, those early stage walls were really just me and him. Mm-hmm. And then me, him, and Lank did a few. And then once we all came together, this, the walls on Wayne Avenue, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. front one was VS, but all the rest was stage walls. Sage. Oh, okay. Yeah, all okay. the rest was stage walls. Um, the, the Saul Williams wall, the one that was on the front of the building, mm-hmm. the um, Cornell West one in the back, which mm-hmm. he actually came out to see. You know? Oh, wow. Yeah, he actually came out to see it. And, uh, so Sage was taking me in a direction where I felt at the time VS was kind of getting stagnant because VS was always this infighting. Mm-hmm. Half the crew wanted to do more traditional productions, then the other half wanted to do more Sage style productions. Mm-hmm. So I just broke off and formed my own crew. I right. still rep VS, but Sage gave me the opportunity to, to put more messages in my work. Mm-hmm. I always say VS walls were more entertainment. We did like pop culture walls, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to scratch your head. Just, you knew what you, it was. You knew exactly what it was. Sage Walls put out messages that were overtly political, mm, you know, mm. and they became more and more political as we went because we were taking more and more extreme measures to get these walls up. Yeah. And Love was the only one at the time willing to take the risk with me. Mm. So it was a it was a balance, you know. I kept the hood off of Love, and Love kept the cops off of me because you're painting <laughs> with a white boy. Word. They think that you know, oh, you working for him, and it's legit. <laughs> but you and then with, but Love being out there, most of the hood either thought he was a cop or a fiend, Word. and I kept the hood off of him. So it was a, it was fifty fifty, you mm. know. 
But um, shout out to love. Shout one, out man. to love one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so you know, love one was because you know I got a lot of criticism for working with love because mm-hmm. love one style is a little unorthodox. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, and people was like, "Yo, he don't paint clean, whatever." I was like, "Don't matter. He paint fast and he ain't scared." Yeah, you know. You, it's yeah. crazy to see if you go to the jam. If it's not lank, it's usually love. It's like yeah. done dumb uh, early because yeah. I usually get there early and by like 1, 2 o'clock he's just like alright I'm chilling I got my beer I'm lounging yeah. I'll be here for a little bit yeah. well everybody's just starting to, to really yeah. get their work Love on. was a workhorse and mm-hmm. that was the beauty of having him painting on the street because it was no BS like you ain't got time to hang out we got a few hours to get a big ass wall done mm. and he knocked it out so, but love didn't really gel with the cats in VS. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he was not the most liked person. I'm just being honest. Mm-hmm. You know, if you listening, I'm just being honest, bro. <laughs> you know, I took a lot of flack for dealing with him, mm-hmm. you know, from my crew. Mm-hmm. But um, I always said, it's like, look, the dude take the risk with me. And I told him anything that come from it, I'll share it with you because mm-hmm. you're taking the risk with me. Well, that's the you thing. Know? I mean, yeah. if, if you talk about, you know, Sage being around at least... You know, at least in name since 2005. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really building up in, like, yeah. 2008, 2009. Yeah. Most of the people in the city know it as, you know, with, with Black Collar, you know, with Ahmad. Uh, yeah. how, how did it get to that formation? What what, what yeah. steps did it take to get there? Um, When we all started hanging out at the Atelier. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to that, you know, I had been promoting Sage Collective through Garden Variety, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So when we got to Atelier, I remember when Wills came in. I still remember the way I met Wills. I met Wills at the social mm-hmm. in 2012 uh, through a mutual friend at, at the time named by the name of Maxwell. Mm-hmm. And he introduced me to Wills, and I introduced Wills to Pete Abrams, who ran Atelier, and then the rest is history. Mm-hmm. Collar, you know, met him through uh, Jersey Fresh. Mm-hmm. And at the time, Collar wasn't, he was kind of down on his luck, Word. you know? So I remember I. <laughs> Me, Collar, and a, a then girlfriend of his tried to help him break into 219 because oh, wow. I had kept my keys from when I rented there. So we tried because I, you know, the dude was living in his car, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. So I remember he went out to California, and uh-huh. I would tell him like, "Yo, this place, the Atelier, you should definitely, you need to get involved in this. Mm-hmm. Like, it mm-hmm. could use your energy, you know." Yeah. So when he got back from Cali, you know, I talked with Pete and Kyler turned the upstairs of the Atelier into the studio. Mm-hmm. And that's where, you know, he really, you know, that's where he, I, I believe he put together most of Forever Black. Sounds about right. Yeah, you Sounds know. Sounds about right. And uh, so, you know, now, you know, Masai's in this mix at the same time. You know, he's in there making candles. You got Will's making bikes. I wonder, you, that, that was an yeah. interesting mix. I remember yeah. some of those early, especially when Garden Variety went mm-hmm. over there. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the hell was going on there. Yeah, you, you nobody lit, knew, really. It was, my man was working. He was sketching this craziness in the candles. Yeah. There's legit welding going on yeah. in the back. And, you know, yeah. then you guys had your banners. Yeah. That That's really like the grassroots. That's aware. really how it started. We mm-hmm. didn't, we weren't. Sage anything. We were just a bunch of artists. We were promoting the Atelier. Word. You know, mm-hmm. the Trenton Atelier. That's what we were. Mm-hmm. We all ate lunch together. You know, it was like one big, happy, weird, dysfunctional family, <laughs> you know? And um, so when we found out the Atelier was closed, we found out that the taxes wasn't paying the bill and they was going to mm-hmm. shut it down. We got the eviction notice. I remember the night, me and Wills, it was like one of the first real conversations we had because everybody just did their own thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. And um, I remember that's when Messiah started making the big candles. Mm-hmm. And then I showed, you know, not to pat myself on the back, but yeah. I showed him how to, to carve candles because I have a background in sculpting. Mm-hmm. And he just took it, you know, to the, to the his, next level. Like, to the next level with it. So 
around this time, me and Wills were talking. He was like, yo, what are we going to do? We got to save the Atelier. Yeah. And, and But we weren't telling anybody what we were going through. Mm-hmm. So we were setting up for the second solar message, which was April 2012. Mm-hmm. And we used the eviction notice as our flyer. Huh? And that's when we made the announcement, like, look, we ain't kicked out of this building. Word. You know, and we tried to, you know, get the awareness out. And that's... And I remember at the time we got connected with a guy by the name of Joey Culkin who worked for the Trantonia. I remember Joey. Yeah, I remember Joey, Joey was a funny dude, mm-hmm. and um, he put the word out for us. Mm-hmm. We set, we 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 announced the telethon, and we. I remember yeah, the telethon too. Yeah, yeah. we that, got, that shit was live streaming for. Yeah, <laughs> that I give for the whole the whole media part. That was all collar, mm-hmm, you know, collar. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, you know. Of course, we all know his skills at MC, but Kyler's a very bright dude when it comes to other things. You mm-hmm. know, Kyler set the rig, the whole place up with cameras, the whole nine. He's a v- very savvy in his whole knowledge of media and mm-hmm. how it works. Um, I, you know, I was the one going. To, you know, because originally uh, I met Joey through another reporter. I forget his name. And because he used to come and interview me at the Atelier and ask mm-hmm. me about what was going on in the art scene. And back then, you remember. Uh, what's the, what was the crew? Uh, Deuce Jones and all them. Uh, mm-hmm. No Limit, not No Limit. I'm sorry, Underworld. Mm-hmm. They were doing mm-hmm. things at Cafe International, which mm-hmm. is now Thomasina's. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of stuff going on even back then. Yeah. But everybody just had their own little clicks, mm-hmm. you know. And even us at the Atelier, we had our own little thing. Nobody really knew what was going on. Yeah. So I met through that guy. I met Joey, and then Joey started coming and hanging out with all of us. And mm-hmm. when he and we went when we announced the Atelathon. We got press every day in the paper for a week, which was mm-hmm. unheard of. Yeah. So that put us out to the city at large who had no idea what was going on in that building. Mm-hmm. So when we launched a telethon, you know, I was painting a car. You know, Collar had, like, you know, star search going on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, body painting. Mm-hmm. And we selling all our art. It was nuts, mm-hmm. you know? It was a lot going yeah, on. Yeah, 24 hours straight. You know, we j- basically jacked art all nights concept and just <laughs> took it underground. Uh, you know, and that shit got a little weird in the wee hours. You know, it was, I bet it was crazy. No holds barred. Yeah, we had thousands of people came throughout there. I say mm. at least three thousand people throughout the day, mm. and we made about four grand mm. off of just selling our artwork. So two days later, the sheriffs came in, moved us out, and we walked all our shit up right to 219. Wow. Because Christian Martin, who became the ED of, yeah, we all know Christian. (laughs) Two-faced Christian Martin, right? Wow. Yeah, so he when he became the ED, he was coming to our shows at the Atelier, the Garden Variety shows, and Mm -hmm. checking them out. So we worked it out with him because John Gordon mm-hmm. um, started hanging out with Christian Heavy. Mm-hmm. So we all worked it out like, okay, we're we going to let you guys in at 219 because they were going to close that building because there was no traffic, no nothing. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was the only one at the time that had a car. So I remember going to Quick Check, getting a $1,000 money order mm-hmm. and giving it to Christian. And we moved in three weeks later. We did our first show there. Word. Yeah. Word. And we weren't sage yet. That's a lot of people don't know that. We, uh-huh. we came in there as a trend artist guild. Right, mm. because I couldn't have my name on anything because they had banned me from using that space. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they banned me. Mm. So if the board of directors saw my name on it, they would immediately reject it. Collar had tried to get in there, and he said that he would bring no value to the building. Right, mm. and I didn't even know that until late after I met Collar. Mm. You know, and uh, so the original people who named who was on the lease was I think it was Will's Graham. And collar for the studio spaces. Mm-hmm. So when we went in there, I was like, "Look, I want the gallery. Yeah. I don't care what anybody else." So collar took my old studio that mm-hmm. I had when I was there, and then Wills and Graham got a space on the third floor, and collar fixed that studio up 
night and day. That thing, I remember interviewing him out Mm -hmm. of that studio, and you would have thought it was just in somebody's house. Like he he had he had that thing set up clean. Yeah, I remember he night and day. He worked night and day, night Mm -hmm. and day, night and day, getting it ready. And uh, you know, and then off off the bat of that, during while we were still building our our way at two nineteen, myself and Link's wife now ex-wife mm-hmm. had already started putting together Sage as a non-profit mm-hmm. so Sage building the blocks of Sage as a non-profit came even before anyone got involved because mm-hmm. at that time it was still me Lank Love and Delve you Word. know and everybody was like oh let's stay for profit but I was like we're not making any money Right. Like, we're what we make like what maybe five hundred dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was like, at least we're a nonprofit. We can get some funding to do these walls. Word. You know, I didn't really know exactly what I was doing. I just was trying to find a way to keep it sustainable. Mm-hmm. So maybe like a week or so after moving into two nineteen, the paperwork came in because Jill put the money up. Mm-hmm. She went in her own pocket. She's like, "Cause I believe in you. Wow. Let's make this happen." So we were still trying to figure out, are we going to say the Trenton Artist Guild because we thought that this sounded corny. And um, or are we just going to do our own thing? Mm-hmm. And I remember going to everybody. I was like, "Look, I got the paperwork set up. I got the logo. Sage had already had a name because it had already been out there. But we had already been out there street and graffiti artists. Word. I was like, let's form a coalition because I remember Jill didn't want to do it. She was like, let we we shouldn't call it a coalition. I was like, well, that's what we are. Mm-hmm. Like it's you know, Collar had top of the globe. Wills mm-hmm. had his own bike thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Messiah, you know, had his own candle thing. Mm-hmm. We all coming in as our own." separate entities but Word. we're promoting this under this one umbrella mm. so some real Wu-Tang shit exactly some yeah. real Wu-Tang shit mm. yeah and uh, that's how we became the coalition so when we did Presumed Unpredictable that mm. November that was like our first real deal art show you know we turned the whole gallery to a record store Word. you know full installation the whole nine no different than Soul of the Message but mm. a little more hip hop yeah yeah and I remember that was a solo show for me. I didn't have anything for sale. I just used that show to introduce more so Lank and Wills as artists. Mm. So, and again, at that time, whatever you made, you kept, you right. know? Because I didn't, you know, me knowing the business, I didn't want to prematurely mark my work on a lower value, you mm. know? So I just showcased it. Right. The following show, I curated one for Mech and Ross mm-hmm. called uh, Underachievers. That mm-hmm. show brought in two grand in art sales. Wow. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Christian, this is December 2012. Mm-hmm. So Christian like, yo, I dig this. Like, this is really good. And I remember Wills came at me. He was like, yo, we run out of money because we were running out of money from that summer. You mm-hmm. know, we were living off that four grand we made. Word. And I was like, well, we got to have to get a budget. So I remember talking to Christian outside of 219 and I was like, look. Um, uh, you like these shows, right? He's like, yeah, these are great. I was like, well, the last one's going to be February 2013. Mm-hmm. He's like, why February? I was like, because we ran out of money. We're going to need a budget. Word. So I remember we had dinner at, we had drinks at the social like a few nights later. And he's like, Castle, what do you want? I was like, well, I need money to, mm-hmm. to curate, you know, to bring our shows. And he was like, well, how much do you want? And I kid you not, I was like, $600. For the month. That's all I needed because I'm mm. being very modest in what I'm asking for. That's enough to take care of my little bit of bills mm. and my little bit of rent. And, you know, because I had been selling my work independently anyway. Word. So he was like, nah, you know what? Bump it up. I'll give you way more than that. Right? He's like, come back to me with another number. I'm like, shit, this dude just basically said he gave me a blank check. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he telling me this. Mm. So me being who I am, I was like, well, I know I can't do all this without my team. You mm. know, I ain't going to like take this money and then 
you know, pay these dudes by the hour. That ain't my style. Mm-hmm. So I remember calling up Ahmad. He was the first one I called up. And I remember I was working on a Gandhi wall, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I was like, Ahmad, uh, how much do you want the DJ, the future art shows? He's like, Hassan, man, just give me whatever you can. Like, I'm just you. Mm-hmm. I was like, how much is your rate, bro? <laughs> He's like, $100 an hour for a setup fee. I was like, how's $400 a show? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mark it down. Yo, Kyler, how much you want to host? Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Casos, whatever. How much you want to host? Mm-hmm. $300. Mark it Write down. it down. Mm-hmm. Wills, what you want? To hang all that? I want the same amount you want. 600 <laughs> Graham was the only one. Graham, what you want? Uh, $25. Right? <laughs> all right, I'll give you 150 to design the flyers. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, Masai wasn't involved at that time. He had kind of like disappeared, you know? Mm-hmm. Everybody who was in that building, living in that building, got paid. Mm-hmm. I made sure of it. We got a we got a check every month for twenty seven hundred dollars a month. Word. We even had enough to pay out to cook. You know, mm, okay. yeah, we gave out okay. hundred dollars a month just to cook. <laughs> uh, I even had a budget one hundred and fifty dollars left in the budget for someone to gallery sit. Mm-hmm. You know, and that went to Carl. You remember Carl? Mm-hmm. Carl mm-hmm. lived in the gallery, so it's like, look, now you get paid to live here. There you go. You know, it wasn't a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It was only enough to hold you over for maybe one week out of a month. Mm-hmm. But you only work one week out of a month. Right. It took one full week to break down those shows to set up, mm-hmm. and we called it Hell Week. Mm-hmm. So I made sure everybody got paid for Hell Week as long as you did your job. You did your work, yeah. And for the rest of the month, you on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't help you. You know, because I got to eat too. Yeah. So Collar through that. You know, he was already building the blocks to establish um, Black Diamond Studios. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Will's got a job off of the first one to sold with George Z, which he's still employed he's still for with today. Now, yeah. We had start building a Gandhi Garden, so Graham managed to procure a budget separate just for that. Mm-hmm. You know, so cats got savvy. They started, you know, from the budget that we had, the modest budget, they they branched it off into their own businesses. Right. And I think to this day that still was dope. I wish other artists collective followed that model. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. But um, again, some uh, real Wu Tang shit. Real, real Wu shit, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and you know, our shows were second to none. I, you know, I all due respect to artworks, but when Sage was at his peak, we made it very difficult for cats to top what we was doing, Word. you know, Word. because they were done that well. Because nobody like, who, where the hell did these cats come from? Mm-hmm. That's how a lot of guys from the artwork start coming through. Mm-hmm. Island Green, who worked for artworks at the time, that's how I met Lauren. He would, they were coming through the shows, mm-hmm. hanging out. Mm-hmm. Lynn, like, you know. We were pulling people from everywhere mm. to these shows because, you know, that's how I met Joe Kazemka, you right. know? Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, yo, you guys are really doing it. Mm. And it was at an era when no one wanted to work. Yeah. You know? yeah so yeah. it made it, it, it gave us that edge and that grittiness that most of the arts collectives in the town didn't have at the time. Right. Yeah. What, I mean, I guess what you mentioned, the Gandhi Garden, I feel like that might be one of the most. Yeah. Uh, Known most with with the most acclaim that you guys yeah. would you say that might have been I don't want to say the peak but like the biggest thing you guys did yeah. Was, yeah. was the can you talk about you know how that came to be and you know the acclaim that came with that well prior to the Gandhi Garden I had already painted um, a couple of Gandhi murals there mm-hmm. the first one was vandalized in 2011 then me and Love redid it and then I redid it the third time when the garden started coming to light mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the name of the Gandhi Garden came from the mural. Word. And that was a that was Graham's idea. Mm-hmm. Graham originally we just wanted to turn it into a community garden because we had one at the Atelier. We uh-huh. were really just trying to make ourselves feel at home on that block. Word. We didn't know we would become like the shining stars of the city. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And Graham designed this three D rendering 
of what it could potentially look like. And okay. we use that as a blueprint. Mm-hmm. You know, Christian got involved and we started getting some small amounts of funding. Um, and, you know, when we start putting it together, we broke ground on the Gandhi Garden doing the first one to the soul. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's because at that time, John Gordon was heavily involved and it just didn't have no direction. Yeah. And that's when we told Graham, like, yo, we need a blueprint. Mm-hmm. And he did the rendering. And for the next year, we pieced it together. Mm-hmm. The final month of like really working at that garden was June of 2013. Mm-hmm. And it started September 2012. June 2013 is when Gandhi's grandson actually came out there to see it. I remember that. And yeah. that was like, yo, mm-hmm. how the hell did this happen? Because we didn't plan it. You right. know? He saw, one of his assistants saw one of our brochures we had in the kiosk in the train station. Mm-hmm. She took it to him in Philadelphia. He came through on his way to Rochester, New York to check it out. Word. Just on a regular day. And D-Block was the first one that noticed him. Because mm-hmm. D-Block came into the gallery. He's like, yo, man, Gandhi's cousin's outside. <laughs> like, what? He's I'm, like, no, like D-Gandhi. Yeah, yeah. And then he was like, no, it's his son. Or so I'm like, Who, what the hell is D-Block smoking? Because <laughs> like, I, I got a friend named Gandhi. So I'm thinking like, well, just tell him to come in. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was like V Gandhi, Gandhi, you mm-hmm. know. And he's like, yeah, that's my father's. Gandhi was my father's second son. Mm. I was like, yo. Whoa, that's when it like the that's chill crazy. went up the spine. Like, okay, yeah. this is hitting on levels we had never anticipated. Mm. And um, yeah, yeah, it was that was the Gandhi Garden. You know, we had got Project of the Year from the Gerald D. R. Dodge Foundation. Mm-hmm. You know, we had got covered by um, about uh, Mass Appeal Magazine. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. mainly off the strength of the Art of Wu show. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Gandhi Garden, we had tons of events. The Gandhi Garden was like that safe space. It was for everyone. Yeah. And it was never any drama in there, mm-hmm. you know, for a time anyway. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was, you know, and everybody had a hand in it. 95% of the effort was volunteered for that space, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it was beautiful. You know, that was a time where we really thought that, you know, what we were doing was going to morph, evolve into something truly greater, you know, because mm-hmm. there there was no corruption in what we was doing. We yeah. was, we were having a lot of fun. We wasn't making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. You know, the living in that building wasn't the I, most ideal. Yeah. But yeah. we were producing some of the best artwork we had ever done at mm-hmm. that time, you know, mm-hmm. collectively, Word. you know. So, I even though I get a lot of credit for Sage because I'm the one who, you know, I mean, Sage was even when I designed it back then it had always been designed to be a crew mm-hmm. you know when i put that together back in 05 you know eventually it was clothing then we had we had we designed it to be a clothing organization like i'm gonna do shirts you're gonna do shirts you're gonna do shirts but we're gonna promote on this age everybody get money Word. and when we moved it to street art we did all our walls collectively mm-hmm. i didn't just go out there and do sage walls i did a few sage walls by myself because mm-hmm. i just had no choice but i always promoted the crew and everybody always thought I was an organization, even when I was out there doing it by myself. Mm. So the collective just made sense because it was no real competition because everybody did something differently. Word. So I'm not out there with a bunch of painters. We're all competing to get on the wall. I don't rap. I don't make bikes. I don't, you know, build gardens. Mm. We just all supported one another because it was all coming back to the same family. Mm. You know, mm. everything started to get crazy towards the end, you know. And the Mike Brown mural in hindsight mm. was you know, metaphorically, the end of what was the core of Sage. Yeah. You know, when they yeah. shut down 219, we all went our separate ways. Word. We all still hung out. You mm-hmm. know, the Hive came out of that. Mm-hmm. But the Hive, everyone thought the Hive was a Sage initiative. It wasn't the Hive. I was just a member of the Hive like everyone else. Mm. The Hive was where I was for profit, full tilt. 
mm-hmm. because there was no soul in the message that year. Right. We barely got a window of soul off, mm-hmm. you know. So Collar wasn't a member of the Hive. He did shows there, but he did shows there just like I did shows there to mm-hmm. make money for whatever he needed money for. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with Wills. You know, same thing with Graham. Like the things that we did at the Hive was for profit. That's where I built my LLC off of. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and I toured my first tour of Cali. I did under my name. Mm-hmm. You know, I still inqu- I still talked about Siege, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. I used the Hive as a springboard to propel my career because it was very difficult at that time to get us all in the same room. Where, you know? where. So things started really, you know, getting tense. Even in the following year, when I got back from Cali, you know, I managed to get a few dollars together to do another one of the soul. And, you know, that's when it wasn't, it, it was just... Didn't feel the same? No, mm-hmm. no. It was new people involved. I got a lot of criticism. You know, Collar had his two cents. Wills had his. Mm-hmm. Everybody felt it was all, I took it, it was all being directed at me because I kept it going. Because I didn't see a reason at that time to let it go. We mm-hmm. had we had finally received our 501c3 status. Mm-hmm. So now it's legit, legit. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Because I remember Collar was like, well, we should go for profit. And I was like, well, Sage Coalition is a non-profit. You can't go back you can't go back but you can do what you do for profit Mm -hmm. and we will still support that the same thing you know William Casa LLC is for profit Mm -hmm. Sage Coalition is non-profit it's nothing wrong with having multiple businesses Mm -hmm. you know the problem was since everybody has such a huge stake in Sage Everybody wanted Sage to be their vision. But the reality of it was, and this is, I'm being 1,000 with you. Mm -hmm. The money that was coming through Sage came for mural arts projects or directly out of my own pocket. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. The other things just wasn't bringing in the funding. And if it was, it wasn't coming through Sage. You know what I'm saying? Because the last days of Sage, all that money that came in, minus $5,000 that came from Doug Palmer himself, Every ounce of money that came through Sage came directly from my art sales. I was putting it all in the Sage to keep it afloat. Mm. And when the last one of those souls closed up, I had no money left. Damn. Literally. I was broke as shit. I was depressed and I was suicidal. What, so what, I got the fuck out of here. <laughs> I'm about to say, because I mean, it's, it's interesting to see, you know, I, you, you mentioned the Mike Brown mural. And that, yeah. got, that got a lot of publication through yeah. the city. Mm-hmm. Um, would it be fair to say that was the start of kind of the... The ending of Sage? Yeah. Well, the thing about it, right? Let's backtrack. Mm. Um, The Art of Woo was the last show we had funding for. That Mm. was November 2013. Okay. Christian told me, you know, they had to take our money and fix up the building because we had a couple fires there. The building was under not up the cold. Mm -hmm. So they had to, uh, you know, use our funding to fix the building up. Mm -hmm. So I pulled everybody together. And told them, like, look, this is the last check you're going to get for art shows, you know. And I was very transparent when everybody understood. By this time, you know, Kyler had his own studio thing going full swing. Nobody really depended. I don't well, maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but I don't think at that time, like, there was a dependency so much on what we was doing. Because you could tell it was kind of weird and thin. Like, Mm -hmm. we had been doing these shows consistently for a year. People want to do other things. So... That money that was supposed to be used to fix up the building, they just were hiring these shady contractors. And the building wound up being in worse shape mm-hmm. under the under the watch of Christian and John than it was when we moved in. Uh-huh. And I was very vocal about that. Like, you guys took 
forty thousand dollars that we were supposed to get for that year, damn near thirty-eight thousand seven hundred to be exact, mm-hmm. and you pissed it away, and we suffered. You yeah, know? yeah. Twenty fourteen, going to twenty fourteen, we came to an agreement that we wouldn't pay rent. That we saved will fully manage the building. Mm-hmm. And the only reason they allowed that is because they saved money on the annual taxes. It was mm-hmm. an easier write-off for us not paying rent and watching it. But the building was still beat up, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it just further drove the wedge between us because we were living in the middle of some toxic shit. Word. We, we used, I used to call us the flowers in the attic because nobody knew how bad it was. Oof. You know, it was really rough. There was no money coming in. I'm talking about me and Carl was eating canned goods, bro. Yeah, like we would yeah. get from wherever we could. You mm-hmm. know, Megan, who now works for TD. I remember back then she was, you know, she just hang out with us. She mm-hmm. would bring us food. You wow, know? it was that bad, bro. Mm-hmm. And um, and Christian and John were eating like fat rats, you know. Mm-hmm. And I like this is unfair. So when the Mike Brown shooting happened, of course, you know, it was national news. Mm-hmm. So when it came time to do the mural, you know, I remember walking to 219 and Collar, Caitlin Fair was there, all the people who were involved and what eventually became the sensationalism around it. Mm-hmm. They approached me and they was like, Casa, would you do the wall? And I was like, yeah, but I'm telling you because I've done political work before. Yeah, You say anything, they take everything. I knew, I was very aware that if we had put that wall up, they was going to shut us down. Right. But I think we were all ready to get out of here. We were killing ourselves trying to keep that place afloat. And if only so much money was coming in anyway. Yeah, it was, yeah. there was no money coming in, bro. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. other than whatever you were doing to get money, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it was nothing coming in. And so we went out there, me, Caitlin, and Kyler that night and put it up. Mm. The next day it was on the front page because it was a drive-by shooting, not because of it was Mike Brown. Yeah. That's when the police officer called me. He was like, yo, um... You know, uh, I went to high school with the police officer. And mm. He was like, yo, you got to take it down, you know. Or, I'm sorry, he didn't tell me to take it down. He asked, could we talk about it? Mm. But we never got together because of our schedules. Then Christian called me. He was like, yo, you got to take it down. Mm. The police, the board's getting at me. And I stood my ground like, nah. Mm. Then John came to me. He was like, look, if they say if you don't take it down, they're going to press charges. We can go to Michael's right now or Jerry's and buy some spray paint. And get whatever kind of paint you want. Talking to me like I'm like 12. I'm like, mm. nah, bro, you ain't you ain't doing that. So I went to Collar with it. He was like, this is going to arrest you. Right the next thing, we went on social media with it. Word. And it became a hit, a mm. huge hit. You know, mm. Caitlin had started a petition, and it was nuts. So that following Monday, Christian comes down, and he was like, I'm painting over it. You guys calling me like I'm acting like I'm the police, whatever, whatever. Wow. You're making me like the bad guy. And we again, we stood our ground. And I told mm-hmm. him, I like, you take this down, you're gonna have a lot to answer. Mm-hmm. And we went out there with a petition. The cops came out, sprayed over it. As I'm doing an re- interview with the Trenton Times, by the end of that week, you know, you know, Complex Magazine picked it up, mm-hmm. the Grio, mm-hmm. BT, CNN, Eyewitness News. You name the press outlet, they were on it. They had we it. were doing at least three interviews a day. Word. And it went national. Mm-hmm. And we was like, oh. Shit. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So Kyler was the first one to step back. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I don't know. I never really had a conversation with Kyler about it, mm-hmm. but I think the attention was like, you know, it kind of came out of left field. Mm-hmm. We didn't know it was going to be national news. Word. And they would mostly talk to me because I painted it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I said what we said. We did it to start a dialogue about police brutality, you know, racial profiling, and what have you. So after the attention died down. 
is when it's TDA put their foot down. Mm. The heat in the building broke. They wouldn't fix the, the, the heat. Uh-huh. It was like 25 degrees consistently in that building. <sighs> Collar wanted to do a, a, a music showcase there. And not much longer after that, they all gave us eviction. It was just right before Christmas. Mm. By this point, I was already at the hive because I, I already knew. You knew what was going down. You know, I knew. But it was the way they did it, which was just really slimy. You mm. know, they just mm-hmm. literally slid letters in our door. You have to the first of the year to be out. Crazy. And so, you know, I didn't know at that time that Kyler was even about to have a child. You know, mm-hmm. we, we mm-hmm. communication between all the members had lax. Wills had already moved over to Champs. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Graham had moved into the Hive. Mm-hmm. You know, Messiah had already moved over there. Word. I was like one of the last ones still kind of like, uh, you know, but then I had no choice. I needed a place to work. So I moved to the Hive. And mm-hmm. then Collar and Gerson, a later member of Sage, they went and got an apartment together mm-hmm. and went with Collar's girl at the time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, that's how it was. And then the building closed up. And that was that. How's that? That was that. How's that? How long? How long after that had you really started? Because you, I mean, you were bopping around, like you said, you were mm-hmm. in, you know, Cali for a bit, mm-hmm. um, and then you were talking because you. We've talked on the phone. We've had these conversations. I remember you talking about, yeah. you know, at one point trying to get a different building, yeah, for, for Sage. When did it go from, you know, I'm trying to keep this thing going to, I'm really gonna take these ideas of moving out and just fuck it pick up and go well when i started when i went out to california the summer of 2015 i had put that together as a tour i had always wanted to do a a solo tour Mm -hmm. just go different places and paint because i had been touring for years on different levels you know so i was like you know i'm just going to do it because the hive at that time was closing you know the hive was a great concept, uh-huh. but it was just very, it was mismanaged. It was a little bit of racism involved from the landlord. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, it just didn't, It at, at the end of the day, it was great on, it looked great on paper, mm-hmm. but everybody was just in a different place. It was a lot of people involved in the hive, you know. So it was not just any one particular person's fault. We kind of all knew that it was on borrowed time even from day one because there just was really no continuity. Right. We had some great parties. We had some great times there. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was kind of like, in hindsight, you know, it was it was like that glitch in the Matrix, you know? Because yeah, yeah, no yeah. one really knew what it was. Mm-hmm. Is it Sage? Is it for-profit? Is it non-profit? Is it mm-hmm. just a hangout, you know? and uh, But, you know, it was fun. And I knew that I would... I, even back then, it was, it was like... I just honestly got tired of starting over at home. Yeah, yeah. That was like the third space in three years or mm-hmm. four years. I'm like, I'm not starting over again in Trenton. No, that makes know? sense. That makes sense. So when I went out, the ca- first I went out to Oakland in February 2015, just for like a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Then I got back, worked on new body of work. And um, when I found, we found out the hive was closing, I remember calling my cousin in Cali. I was like, yo, I got to get out of here, man. Like I was really depressed, you know. It was nothing was going right, you know. I was pretty much sleeping there every night. Yeah. Um, like I ain't really had no place to to call my own, you know. Uh-huh. I just got tired of living like that. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Yo, come out, man. I got you." And I stacked some money, sold some paintings, launched my GoFundMe, all that. Mm-hmm. And I went out there for two months touring. And I was really considering not coming back, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, my daughter would call me. She was uh, took it hard. You know, my mother would call me crying because. A year prior to that, you know, my niece got sexually assaulted, you know, mm. at school. My nephew was going through it. You know, they were being 
basically, um, for lack of a better word, like bullied in that neighborhood. Yeah. And I just couldn't, in good conscience, stay out there knowing my immediate family was going through that much. Mm-hmm. And that's something I always had kept to myself. I didn't really make that public, of course. Yeah, I never a, heard that yeah. before. Yeah. Wow. So I was like, fuck it. You know, I came back home. I managed to get a budget from the Princeton Arts Council to do another one of the soul. And I called everybody up like, yo, I got some money. Y'all want to do this again? And it just it, it just wasn't organic because now new people involved. Yeah, and yeah. We have no headquarters. Mm-hmm. So I told my mother, I was like, look, I'm not going to leave Jersey again until I get you out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I'm going to be here, I got to do something. Word. So I was trying to get another building, you know, because now they're talking about the art scene and not mm-hmm. the art scene, the arts district, all these talks are coming up based off of Sage models. Mm-hmm. All these grants are being written from Sage projects, but none of that money's coming to Sage. There's low key a lot, a lot of little Sage coalitions what? going around. Yeah, man. but you know, in 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 uh, concept, but not in integrity. Yes. So yeah. I'm seeing this, and I'm and I, again, I've always been vocal. I get it. We in a nonprofit town. The stuff Sage was doing is gold. Mm-hmm. So they writing the grants. They got the infrastructure to really get this money. We don't. So I was like, well. If we're going to if we're going to be able to play this game, we need a base. Mm-hmm. The work, the sage work, doesn't work without a base. Of course. And every time we try to get a base, we would have a meeting. We had each other's throats. You know, mm-hmm. the meetings got they were very tense meetings. Yeah. Like Masai used to say, he was like, "If you go into a sage meeting, you better bring your strap." <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know you can get shot down, and mm-hmm. my ideas was getting shot down. Mm-hmm. You know, Collar's ideas are get shot down. We were we none of us could ever get on the same page, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like, man, this is crazy. So after the last one, um, when Doug Palmer got involved, I remember we had a meeting at Artworks. It was me, Messiah, Doug Palmer, Lauren, and um, what's the dude? I keep forgetting his name. Local MC. Uh, I forget his name. Uh, my apologies if you listen, <laughs> but shit, it was crazy. Uh-huh. And we got that money. We did one to the soul. That's when the Sage shirts started up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'll tell you how the, the Sage shirts came about. Mm-hmm. And I remember Collar had a connection to the guy. Who I think I think it was the guy who did his Blessings on Blessing shirts. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh-huh. But he had a connection to a silk screener. Mm-hmm. And I was doing so much at that time, just trying to keep money in there, making the connections. I, was, I remember... Me and Masai was in the car, the old dirty Lumina, you know? <laughs> and I was like, Masai, can you text Kyler to see if he can order the T-shirts? I give him the the card number because I just don't have the time. Right, right. I remember Kyler texted me back with the the T-shirt guy's number. Mm-hmm. So we eventually, you know, connected. I got some quotes, not just from him, but from other people. I was like, this shit gonna cost a lot of money because right. it was a short turnaround, mm-hmm. you know. We, you know, it's my fault. We needed it in a short amount of time. So I told Masai, I was like, bro, we can get the supplies and we could do the shirts ourselves. Mm-hmm. So Steven Slusher and John Carl, mm-hmm. I did their wedding jackets. Mm-hmm. The money from those wedding jackets, I used to buy the heat press. And, oh, word. Yeah. And we start pressing them shits up at Artworks. Mm-hmm. And they hit. Yeah. Like, they hit big time. The money we made from those shirts alone helped us finance Windows of Soul. Word. Yeah. Word. Yeah, so it was great because if we had outsourced it, mm-hmm. we would just got them one way. Yeah, yeah, The yeah. beauty of them, man, you didn't know how they were going to come out. And that mm-hmm. was the the whole appeal. Mm-hmm. You could come in and make your own shirt. We had people coming in and making your own shirts, and they were paying $20, $25 a pop. Mm-hmm. 
we sold maybe a few hundred shirts in like two weeks. It's crazy. Yeah, and that money helped us finance when it was sold. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Sage is done. Well, before as far as what it was, it's I always say I want to say it's done. I just say it's asleep. It's asleep for right put now. It, yeah, put it to bed. You that know, makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. Just put it to bed. Now, but you're back in town now. You've got Urban Legend. I know you mentioned yeah. John Carl and Stevens jackets. Yeah, I was at Artworks and I mm. saw the, those are the jackets that are in the show. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. We're talk about um, briefly talk about what Urban Legend is. You know, what's the time frame with the mm. pieces, um, and what what's what what are you what are you saying with the show? Well, the pieces, the oldest piece is 2011, which is the first piece I sold at Soul of the Message, the first mm-hmm. Soul of the Message. And the oldest piece is obviously this year, 2017. Mm-hmm. But it's basically started when I started really getting recognition for my work in this city. Mm-hmm. You know, when I took it from the streets to the gallery, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it's basically a history of just an evolution of my style and also, you know, the stories behind each piece, you mm-hmm. know. Like, there's some pieces in there that were done at a time where I didn't really know what was going on. And then, you know, the pieces that I created in Vermont were, you know, just an evolution of styles that I created at the Hive. Mm-hmm. They're just different periods of my, my life. I booked this show two years ago Word. when I talked to Addison about it. Originally, it was going to be called Trenton's Finest. <laughs> but I was like, nah, that's, you know, that's kind of limited in a way, mm-hmm. you know, because I had mm-hmm. already been to so many different places. Mm-hmm. So, Urban Legend just made sense because... I used to hear people talk on the streets, you know, Castle painted everything a trend. Castle mm-hmm. did this, Castle. I'm like, I didn't do all this shit. Yeah, it's like yeah. people talk about me like I'm folklore, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just a play on that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, and also, too, it's more than likely the last show I will be doing a trend for a very long time. Word. So it's kind of like me coming full circle. I walked into Artworks at 11 years old. I'm doing my first art, my first show those solo show at artworks at 40 wow. when i've done all this stuff in between mm-hmm. so it's just coming full circle i'm i'm beginning and ending my career at artworks because i always say too you know i'm 40 years old now i don't have the energy to, to do a lot of the things i did back then word, word. and there's a new crop of artists coming up you mm-hmm. gotta let give them room to breathe you know Definitely. you know let them shine let them do their thing and i just hope they you know they paid attention mm-hmm. to, you know because i always say like i see a lot of these young artists doing stuff very similar but at the same time i see them making some doing some things that they shouldn't be doing mm-hmm. and i don't want to sound like an old man but you know i've been around i've been a lot of places i've been through a lot of shit Word. you know we could stay here all night i could tell you some stories <laughs> man and um that'll be next time that'll be next time <laughs> but uh it's just a way just to kind of cap off you know the stuff that I've done here, the people I've helped, mm. and and just talk about it through the work that I've created. That's you know? what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. Where can people find you and your art today if they want to know about Castle? I'm based in Middlebury, Vermont, man, a town <laughs> that's a complete 180 from Trent. Uh, and you know, it's it's quiet there. You mm. know, I'm supported there. Word. My work has matured. I don't do too much street work these days. I'm doing mostly studio work. Mm. You know, I'm about to start teaching at you know Middlebury College in January. That's you know, up. congrats on that. Thank you, man. And just you know, you know, forty is a heavy year for me because now it's like the second half of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so I'm you know the first forty years were cool, but I want to know what it's going to be like. You know, if I'm blessed to see eighty, ninety. Word. Word. So I got to start taking the proper steps to get to there. Mm-hmm. The, t- the problem with a t- town like Trent, it, it really works from the top down, you know. 
the mayor, you know, people at the city, they were really getting at me with the type of work that I was doing, which made it very difficult for me to operate Word. the way I like to operate. Mm-hmm. So it just got to the point where it's like, all right, you know what, I'm fighting, but I ain't, you know, I'm punching walls here. And I got to move on before I hurt myself or someone else. That's facts. And I had That's to facts. take, you know, I, if I can't take care of myself, I'm going to take care of someone else. Yeah, 100%. So, 100%. you know, my lady, you know, she got me through some difficult things, man. Mm. And so, you know, just being smart about the next, the, the moves I make from here on in. That's and right. I've always, I've always got a love for Trent. Trent, I take that wherever I go. Mm. I, it's the only, you know, what else I'm going to talk about. <laughs> but, uh, but I don't have to be here to, to, to put on for Trent, you know. Where? Artists have to travel. Artists have to do other things. Artists mm. have to, you know, see the world mm. if you want to grow in your work, you know. But, I just really, I just don't know what else I, what else is there to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it works from the top down, man. If you really want to see Trent grow, creatively, it's going to take the city to really start paying attention to what's going on here. Yeah. You know, the people that sit at the top of the food chain gonna really have to start paying attention to the creatives mm-hmm. and not just taking from them. Mm-hmm. You know, and or exploiting them. 100%. You know, like I tell people, Sage was the first pawn in the gentrification of Trent. Mm. You know, mm. and that's real. I don't yeah. care what they say. Yeah. Because in 10, 15 years, the town will look completely differently. And ain't going to be too many people like me doing the type of work that I've done. I could guarantee you that. That's usually how it goes. That's how it goes. So in order for Trent not to fall victim to those types of problems, it's going to take the policies to change. It's going to take people to get very active politically, mm. you know. Mm. But at the same time, not let it, you know, smother your creative side. Word. And that's what it was Word. starting to do with me. I was so active politically that I wasn't producing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't take that risk anymore because making art is what keeps me sane. Facts. So Facts. I'm back in artist mode. That's you what's know? So I tell people non-profit Casa was dead. <laughs> you know, he died when 219 shut down. Word. So now I'm just on a mission to just do what I can to still helping people, still doing my thing. But I don't owe nobody nothing and nobody owe me nothing. And as far as Sage, they can't, you can't leave that out of trans history. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Period. Yeah. Nobody did it better than Sage. When Sage was fully active, nobody did it better than us. Mm-hmm. So, Definitely. And it, it's it's left a mark. You know, it's it's part of your legacy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, your legacy is definitely going to be growing from here. Yeah. Out. Yeah, you know. So, so. we just got to be, we got to look at what we're doing as artists and just be honest about where we're taking it. I tell a lot of these younger artists, if you want to, if you want to go to Philly and do shows, you want to go to New York and do shows mm. in L.A., you want to blow in these areas, you got to move there. Mm. You got to move there and root yourself there. Yeah. If you can't afford it, then if a collective of you wants to do it, then put your money together and do Figure it. That's it how we did it with Sage. You mm. know, it wasn't just me. And but if you want to, if you want to blow in trend, then get your shit together. <laughs> get some paperwork behind you. You mm. know, like. Most people don't know it. We were being paid for those shows at 219. We wasn't doing that for free. Right. You know, we had our paperwork right, you know. Get your paperwork right, you know. Ain't nobody going to give you anything. At all. And if you're expecting that, the only thing you're going to do is get pimped. So. 100%. Yeah. All right, I don't want to take any more of your time. I, yeah. Uh, thank you for coming through. Nah, no problem, man. Um, and, you know, we'll have to do this again another five years, something like that. Yes, Catch up on what's going on now. Yeah, you know. Damn, we're back. Uh, yeah, like I told, I told you at the top of the uh, the top of the podcast, Caso can talk and he will talk. But uh, you know, I appreciate him taking the time out 
to uh, share his story with me. Um, Shouts out to this lady and her daughter for, uh, (laughs) they came over late one night and they were legit passed out on the couch while Caso and I were talking in the, uh, in the kitchen, you know, hopefully this sounded good for you guys, uh, you know, my audio situation is what it is right now, but it's a stories that you really need to be checking for, um, and, you know, again, shouts out to my wife, Anna, for playing a, uh, a humble host that night, working on some situations with her in a, uh, podcast vein that you should hopefully be hearing soon uh yeah that was episode one of deep concentration don't know when i'm going to get through to episode two we'll see i have to conduct an interview and i don't know who i'm going to be talking to yet so we'll figure that out um if you want to keep abreast to what's going on with deep concentration though you can follow us on social media we're uh, Deep Con Pod, D E E P C O N P O D, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Yeah, we got you. Um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, hit up deepconpod at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and as always, if you want to keep up with the help I'm loving, go to rockthedub.com. Rockthedub on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. And uh, Mixcloud, where uh, you can hear this in its entirety. Oh, yes, and we will be throwing this podcast up on iTunes and Google Play. So you have no excuses. Well, unless you fuck with Stitcher, but I'll figure that situation out too. Um, But yeah, as of right now, this is Cal, rockthedub.com, deep concentration, over and out. Peace.